Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hey, everyone, and welcome to a little surprise bonus episode of The Mom Hour. This is Sarah here popping in on a Friday. Happy Friday, guys. Um, We have a little bonus for you, and this comes from a really incredible response we received to episode 206 a couple of weeks ago. It was about the crazy month of May that Megan and I and many of you are right in the thick of this week with our kids finishing up school. Um, We laughed a lot in that episode. We complained a little bit. We tried to offer a few tips for making it through May. Um, And one thing that always comes up when Megan and I talk about school is teachers. Um, We have a lot of teachers in our audience. We have a lot of good friends who are teachers. Both Megan and I just are are champions of teachers, I think, and want always want to know how to support them better and how to really help them, how to really give them the gifts they want, how to really send kids to school who are ready to learn. So I thought it would be fun if we heard from a few teacher mamas in our podcast listening audience. So what I have for you today is these three amazing teachers. Let's hear them say hello. My name is Elizabeth, and I teach 9th, 10th, and 11th grade advanced English. My name is Kelly, and I teach kindergarten in Massachusetts. Hi, my name is Laura, and I'm a high school English teacher in Ohio. So if a couple of those voices sound familiar, Elizabeth is a longtime listener and friend of ours. She was actually on a very early interview episode. I think it's number two in our Voices series where we talked um, to a few full-time working moms. Um, And then Kelly is a kindergarten teacher, as she said, and she was our guest in Voices episode 23 when we talked about getting ready for kindergarten. Um, And then Laura is another member of our listener community. She is in our Patreon Facebook group, um, and she bravely stepped up when I asked for some feedback from teachers. I hesitated to even ask for this feedback, you guys, because teachers are also having May right now. And the whole point of this is that no one needs one more thing on their plate. And yet here I was asking them to share their thoughts. Um, And so they very generously did. And you're going to hear in just a minute from Elizabeth and Kelly and Laura on things like teacher gifts that they have loved receiving and what it's like to be a mom and a teacher this time of year, because that's something we hear from you guys in our community. There's a lot of you who are teachers out there and May is is crazy. And Megan and I can't always speak from the other side. So that's what today is about. Before we get into that, I just want to remind you guys to go ahead and redeem that amazing gift we've got for you from Chatbooks. We are giving away a 30-page 
soft cover photo book from Chatbooks. It's our gift to you. Um, it's a $10 value. If you decide to upgrade your book or make it fancier, that $10 will still come off. The promo code is the mom hour. And you're just going to grab the Chatbooks app or go to chatbooks.com and get started. This works for new users as well as existing Chatbooks lovers. So there's no downside. You're just going to get to make a photo book basically for free or at least for $10 off. So I will link that up in the show notes, but just wanted to remind you because it's not going to last forever. And again, the promo code is just the mom hour when you're ready to check out and make your chat book. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit more about Elizabeth, Kelly, and Laura. Um, Elizabeth and Laura are both high school teachers, and Kelly is a kindergarten teacher. They are also all three of them moms of little kids, little ones meaning toddlers, preschoolers, and starting to be school moms themselves. Um, the first, you're going to hear them answer my first two questions, and we're just going to play their answers. They're really thoughtful and insightful. First, I asked them what teachers wished parents knew this time of year. You'll hear first from Elizabeth, then Kelly, then Laura, and then you'll hear each of them again talk about what it's like to be a teacher and a mom in this crazy month of May. What I wish that parents understood about teacher life this time of year is that it's crazy for us too and we totally know how nuts it is. Um, we don't judge you if you're not showing up for everything or if something takes a few days extra to get signed or return to the school or if your kid lost a textbook, um, we don't think you're a bad parent. <laughs> uh, we totally get that this is an absolutely nuts time of year, and it is for us too. Um, I guess on that along those lines, I would say just to keep in mind that we are doing our very best. And not only do we not judge you, but it is never our goal to make your life harder. Um, motivating and keeping kids engaged in May when they would way rather be at the pool or outside or just sleeping in a little bit is super, super, super hard. And sometimes those gimmicky things like wearing crazy socks to school is just the little bit of motivation to make the day go a little bit smoother. So at the high school level, you know, I guess for my own kid, it drives me crazy that there's so many little funky days and activities that I need to plan for. But then I realized that at the high school level, I do that too. Like we're wrapping up the year with all kinds of projects and I can see parents being like, oh, a project, we're done. But in my mind, I'm like, I still have them every day and I got to do something with them that's going to spark the tiniest bit of enthusiasm or creativity and make it worthwhile that they are still getting up and coming to school every morning. So just give the teacher the benefit of the doubt that our intention is to teach your kids and get through May just like yours is and um, we're a team, not sort of forces working against each other. What I wish parents knew or understood about teacher life this time of the year is that it's also really busy and crazy for us as well. However, we are really trying to make the end of the year um, a positive experience for your child. We do want them to have the fun things and be able to do the crafts and have the parties. I know um, they're not as big as when we were kids, but they're still really important. And it really does help us when you can participate, even if it's not every single time. As Sarah mentioned on the episode, it's totally fine to help a lot with one activity and not do something else. Honestly, we are so busy this time of the year that I highly doubt any teacher out there actually notices exactly who's doing what and when. 
So I would try to take that pressure off of yourself. I also think it's really important to remember that this time of the year is really a great time of the year because the kids are all really excited. Um, I know like in kindergarten, we love how independent the kids are at the end of the year and just how much they've grown during the year. And it's so nice to look back on that and be able to celebrate it and see. That said, it's also a really hard time of the year for some kids because they start to get really anxious about what's ahead. So we often see some regression towards beginning of the year behavior or little things that we haven't seen before. And I think um, it's really important for parents to keep this in mind and just really try to keep it in perspective. Um, I personally have a pre-K child and I did not hear anything about him all year um, and then all of a sudden last week, two different teachers talked to me about little things that he did. And I had to remind myself, this is completely normal. Um, I still talked to him about it. And I still like told him, you know, my expectation is that you're always listening to teachers and, you know, all of those things. But I didn't like call a meeting with the teacher or do anything drastic because I know this is just an expected thing at the end of the year. And the teachers are dealing with this from every child. Um, and so just trying to keep things into perspective, I think, is really important um, from the parent perspective and from the teacher perspective. So what do I wish parents understood about teacher life this time of year? I, I realize that all parents want what is best for their kids, but especially for high school teachers, it is frustrating um, that students and parents often wait until the last couple weeks of school to reach out um, and want extra credit or things that they didn't turn in early in the, earlier in the year to be made up. Um, and they want those things, you know, at the very end of the year. And as a teacher, that can be frustrating, especially when, you know, we've probably reached out to the parent and the student earlier in the year. Maybe the parent, you know, didn't come to parent-teacher conferences. And now all of a sudden we're hearing from them for the first time. Um, so, you know, not only is that stressful for the teacher, but I do think it also sets a bad example for the student, especially if that student is planning to go to college, their professor is not going to let them wait until the very end of the semester when they realize they might get a bad grade and you turn in the essay they never turned in earlier in the semester or, you know, ask to make up a test grade. So I do think that it's, setting students up for failure or unrealistic expectations of what life will be like when they're in college or they have a job. Um, and oftentimes it is good students or students from good families with involved parents who are the ones that are asking for this. And um, again, I really realize as a parent, you don't want to see your student fail or you don't want to see your student get a C when you know that they're capable of an A. But sometimes that that is the lesson that the student needs to get. And it is doing a disservice to the student um, by, by getting in the way. If anything, I would say that if the student feels really strongly about it, I would encourage the student to be the one to go to the teacher and advocate for themselves. Um, by the time they're in high school, this is something they should be able to do. Uh, if the student themselves wants to ask the teacher for an extension on something, or if there's any way they could get extra credit, it doesn't hurt to ask, but it does feel that it's teaching more of a lesson to have the student do that rather than have the parent step in at the very end of the year. Um, so those are my thoughts on um, just something that a lot of high school teachers wish that parents understood. So in addition to having 75 teenagers that I 
truly consider like my kids. I also have two kids of my own. My son is in first grade and my daughter is in preschool, but they run on an academic calendar. So the end of the year is really busy for her as well. Um, When I think about balancing both of those roles, it is always a juggling act and it is always tricky, but especially in May, uh, besides just the fact that things are crazy and our calendars are nuts and we have late nights and kind of our routine is disrupted a lot. I think it's particularly hard maybe as a teacher because all those things that are going on at my kids' school that I would want to be there for, assemblies and field days and field trips and parties, are also a lot of times going on at my school. And obviously the teacher needs to be there. Um, So I do have to miss things at my kids' schools because of my job. And that can be really hard sometimes. What helps is that I really really do feel like my children see how much I care about my job and they see how much their teachers care about them. And so they kind of have an understanding when I say I can't be at your class party today because my students have this really big exam and then I'm going to make them breakfast afterwards. Um, They get that. And that seems that's something they can comprehend. Um, Occasionally, I do pick and choose. And I'll say to my students, you know, today I got to be mom. I'm sorry, I'm going to miss this. But it helps too to just remember that all the things that maybe I'm missing out on in May, it's kind of a trade off because I then get to be home all summer, um, really just focused on being mom and spending time with my kids. So really, for me, that is um, a pretty fair trade. I have to say that being a teacher and a mom in May is definitely busy. Um, I know that I worry a lot about um, special things happening in my classroom, conflicting with special things happening in my son's classrooms. And that's definitely something that's very stressful for us because it's kind of like the end of both things happening at the same time. But we also think about exactly as you guys say, the summer is going to get here one way or the other. And that feels like a really good reward for us. Um, So I think that really helps us get through it. What is it like to be a teacher and a mom in May? Um, It's very similar to what it's like for all parents, I think. Um, It's chaos. It can be a little crazy. Um, I have a four-year-old daughter and a 20-month-old son. And so probably like a lot of the rest of you, I'm just trying to plan our summer and also think about what kinds of things I'm going to do with them. Um, They go to a daycare center, so they need to still attend at least two days a week in order for us to hold our spots, um, which actually is perfect because I know people think that teachers have the whole summer off and it's like this big vacation. And some years that might be more true than others. But um, this summer, I actually have a lot of planning to do because we're switching our curriculum um, for next school year. So I actually do have quite a bit of work to do this summer. So it really is a blessing that my kids will still go to daycare a couple days a week and I'll be able to hopefully spend one of those days working on my curriculum and stuff for school next year. And hopefully the other day just running errands or going to doctor's appointments or even relaxing. So I'm very much looking forward to the summer, but just like um, all parents, I'm trying to think of, you know, a, a plan for a small weekend getaway vacation and when we're going to see the grandparents. Um, my daughter has a dance 
Kids Camp that we're signing her up for this summer and just trying to think of things to make it a memorable summer. It always goes by so much faster than we think it will. But um, I think just like all the students and just like all the parents in May, teachers are just as excited for the end of the school year and the summer. So we're right there with you. Okay, I loved that insight from our teacher friends. I think one of my biggest takeaways came from Elizabeth in that very first clip when she talked about how things like Crazy Sock Day is actually a tool that teachers can use to keep kids excited and engaged in class and have something to look forward to when they don't want to be there. You guys know I come down pretty hard on unnecessary dress up days at least as it relates to mom having to come up with an outfit. It's different if kids want to do it and they can do it themselves. But I do think that really shifted my perspective. So that's why we're doing this, because I don't know what it's like to be a teacher as much as I want to support them. So thanks for that, ladies. Before we move on to hear more from our teachers, I also want to remind you guys that we have our listener survey up right now. It's at themomhour.com slash survey. It takes a couple of minutes and really helps us out. So if you haven't done that, it's at themomhour.com slash survey. It's also linked right here in the show notes. And we would so appreciate if you would take the time to fill that out. It helps us make the show better for you. Okay, we're now going to hear our teacher friends talk about gifts. What do teachers want as gifts? What are the best gifts they've received? I loved what they had to say about this. I promise it is going to take the pressure off you to not have to do something super fancy if you don't want to. And if you do love giving fancy gifts, by all means, teachers appreciate that too. So after that, you're going to hear some final thoughts on what parents can do to support teachers and schools this time of year. Again, these are things that anybody can do. So I found it really encouraging. I have to be honest and say that my favorite gift to receive is definitely a gift card. I know people think those are boring or impersonal, but honestly, every teacher I know is thrilled to receive a gift card. Starbucks, Target, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Um, sometimes I'll use them to buy things for my classroom or for school. And a lot of times I just use it to treat myself, which is really fun and always really appreciated. I particularly love at the end of the year, um, a few times I've been given gift cards to either get like a manicure and pedicure or a massage. And that just feels like such a little luxury, um, over the summer when I actually have time to focus on self-care. So I I think that is an especially great gift for the right teacher. Also with gift cards, it's a perfect opportunity to write a little note and just tell the teacher, um, you know, that you've enjoyed their class or that you've appreciated them. And it, we really do love those. They mean a lot to us. And I have saved many, many notes from students and their families in years past. I would add on the subject of gift giving, just not to forget the secondary teachers. I know once the kids get to middle school and high school, they lots of times have five or six or seven teachers, and it's completely unrealistic to buy every single one of them $25 gift cards or whatever. But we don't kind of, we don't think that the amount of the gift card or the size of the gift is an indication of how much you appreciate us. It just feels really nice to be remembered. So even if it is just a note or, you know, $5 to Starbucks, those things add up and they make us feel really special when um, we are remembered. As far as teacher gifts that I love to receive, this is very cliche, but I am one of the many teachers out there who really love to get the personal notes from kids and parents. 
I know that those can be difficult to write because they take a lot of emotional energy and time. So I don't think you need to do one at, you know, holiday time and teacher appreciation and the end of the year. But if one of those times you can have your child write a note or you can write a note or both, I do think that those are really appreciated by teachers. I've been doing this new math thing in my class this year, and one of my students wrote for Teacher Appreciation Week a note for me, and it said, I really love when you teach problem solving. It made me like so happy because I've been trying this new thing, and I've been working really hard on it, and it was just amazing to see like how much the kid liked it, that that was the one thing that he chose to write in the note. So I feel like those are the best gifts you can give. In addition to that, I also really like getting gift cards because then I feel like I can treat myself to something after the school year's over or after the busy time. Um, I feel like if the if the parents know me really well, a lot of times they'll get me restaurant gift cards if they go in as a whole class. Um, but really, any gift card is always really appreciated. And that's what I do for my own children's teachers as well. As a high school teacher, I don't get a lot of gifts from students or parents. and. The few times that I have gotten a card or a gift or a letter from a student or a parent, it has just meant so much. It really stands out because, you know, maybe I'll get a couple a year. Um, so I just think it's not something we expect as high school teachers, but it's just so lovely when someone does um, think to do something like that for us. Um, by far the best gift I have ever been given um, are just handwritten notes or cards from students saying um, maybe how I've made a difference in their life or something that they really enjoyed about my class. Those just make me smile and tear up. And I honestly have um, a little folder that I keep in my filing cabinet at school. And it's, don't laugh at this, but it's titled the awesome folder. <laughs> and um, that's where I keep things like that, like, you know, cards or notes from students or parents or even other teachers or nice emails, things like that, just because there are a lot of days as a teacher. Um, I think being a teacher is like being a parent in this way, but there are a lot of days where I just feel like it didn't go the way I had imagined. Um, I wasn't as good of a teacher as I wanted to be that day. I didn't say the right thing. I wish that I could do it over. I mean, there are just a lot of days as a teacher when that kind of thing happens, just like there's a lot of days as a parent when things like that happen. So just having that folder that I can open up every once in a while and see, you know, a little nice note from a teacher or a parent or a student or one of my administrators. It just gives me the confidence to just keep going and keep doing what I'm doing, knowing that it does make a difference in, you know, one bad day isn't the defining moment that those students will probably remember for all of time, hopefully. My biggest advice, especially for parents of older kids that are doing standardized tests or AP exams or, you know, major projects at the end of the school year, is just to try, um, I think Megan mentioned this in the episode, but just try to keep in perspective the fact that as important as all of this seems right now, it's really not the most important thing in the grand scheme of life. So I think you have to do what's best for your family and for your teenagers' mental health. Um, so many teenagers are just under so much pressure to perform and to do well on all of these important tests. And I really try to emphasize 
emphasized to my students that I want them to do their very, very best. But one of the things that I hope they learn in my class is about prioritizing and sometimes realizing that getting a few extra hours of sleep is more important than staying up all night studying or taking the five points off for an assignment being a day late is better than doing a bad job on it or having a huge fight with your mom because you're so stressed out by it. So I would just encourage parents in particular just to communicate with their teens, make sure that they have some perspective about kind of how important things really are in the big picture and that they learn early on how to prioritize the stuff that matters and let some things go when they don't really matter. I think the best thing we can do this time of the year to help our kids and our schools is to keep things as stable as possible at home. And I know that's easier said than done. We've all seen the memes about how school lunches are looking this time of the year because we're all done packing them. And I don't think school lunches are that big of a priority. So I think it's okay if those are a little bit less impressive than they were in September. However, I do think it's important to keep bedtimes as normal as possible, meal times as normal as possible, rules for behavior as normal as possible so that your child will feel like home is a safe place. And even though things are getting a little crazy and busy everywhere else, they can expect that their home life is going to be as as predictable as you can possibly make it. I think this just really helps the kids with that anxiety that they feel at the end of the year um, and just helps them be more ready to come to school and learn and do those fun activities. So I think that's really the most important stuff, much more important than making sure every last um, field trip form is signed. And I mean, of course, those need to be signed. But I think um, that is the most that is the most important thing that you can do for your child. It depends on what state you are in, but in most states, there is testing at the end of the school year. Um, State testing is usually in April or May um, in a lot of school districts. And um, sometimes there's state testing, but a lot of times there's also um, teacher evaluation or teach or student growth type tests. And those are tied to teacher evaluation. So as much as most teachers really dislike all of the testing and reliance on testing. Um, Schools and teachers don't really have a choice in that. It's usually a a state mandated thing. And in a lot of states, the teacher's evaluation is tied to the student test scores, which really puts us in a not great position. So something you could do as a parent is just to make sure that your students are ready for those tests, that they got a good night's sleep the night before, and that they just go in with an attitude to do their best on it. Not that they need to be stressed out and worried about it. It's not something I want students to be, um, you know, overly nervous about by any means, because it's not the most important thing. It's not the most important thing um, to show that they're smart or that they have learned. Teachers know that. But It is disappointing to have students come in and they look like they didn't sleep at all the night before or they just don't even care. They're they're just done and they just don't even try on the test. And then our evaluation is tied to something that we know the student didn't even put effort into. And there's really nothing we can do about that. So that would be one thing, just making sure that your students are ready for their tests at the end of the year. They got a good night's sleep and that they know to take it seriously and do their best without being overly stressed about it. 
All right, everybody, we hope you enjoyed this little bonus. A huge thanks again to Elizabeth, Kelly, and Laura. If you haven't already, go check out Elizabeth's blog at teachingsamandscout.com and Kelly's podcast. It's the Chatty Sisters podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. I will link those both up in the show notes. Um, And we just really appreciate you ladies' time. We know your May is busy and wishing you all the best for the home stretch of the school year. And listeners, let us know what you think of these bonus episodes. We are trying to do them around month now and just popping in with something that feels timely and topical. So always love hearing back from you. You can email us hello at themomhour.com. Everything you'll need from this episode and every episode is at themomhour.com. Look for the show notes, find your links, and guys, we will be back with you on Tuesday. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom, and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.